0: I don't often get to do breaking news, but I'm going to get to do that today. So I'm pretty excited about this interview. Today, we are talking to Claire Wiley, who is the executive director of the AKC DNA program. And we're going to get to learn a little bit about Claire. I understand she's a bit of a unicorn. And (laughs) we are going to hear about some of the big stuff that's coming up with the AKC DNA program. Pure dog talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion loves helping pets get the care they need. That's why they're excited to announce that they've officially paid out over 2 billion, that's with a b, billion dollars in veterinary claims. That's 2 billion reasons for more tail wags and treats. That's 730,000 pets that got the care they needed. Trupanion would like to thank all of the owners and breeders who've trusted them over the last 22 years. If you're part of the Trupanion Breeder Support Program, don't forget to register your upcoming litters for their Go Home Day offers. That way you can send them home protected by Trupanion's world-class coverage. If you're not part of the program yet, what, what what it's completely free to join and lets you send your litters home with an offer for a full Trupanion insurance policy that waives the waiting periods. To learn more and to sign up, just visit my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm excited. It's going to be cool. So give us the 411. Tell us about your background. I understand you are a dog person.
1: Yes. So I grew up a second generation Portuguese water dog breeder. And so I grew up in the dog world. I was one of those people who went to dog shows in a stroller I did junior handling, I trained dogs, I do performance with my Portuguese water dogs and water work. And most importantly, the Portuguese water dog club has a huge interest in health and promoting Mm -hmm. genetic testing. The whole reason I got into this world is because when I was 10, I really wanted my very first Portuguese water dog that I was going to do everything with. And so my mom bred a litter and picked two puppies for me and I was going to pick one of them. And then, of course, one of the puppies ended up dying of something called juvenile dilated cardiomyopathy. So we ended up going to the University of Pennsylvania and having the rest of the puppies go to the cardiologists and the researchers there with Dr. Meg Sleeper and Paula Henthorn to perform echocardiograms and try and figure out if we could prevent the disease in the other puppies or even discover the genetic marker. And unfortunately, both of my puppies died from that disease that's terrible. Yeah, but that research did contribute to them finding a linkage test for juvenile dilated cardiomyopathy. And then I ended up breeding the same stud dog to a different dog and ended up with my first dog. Her name was Rose. Turn about my heart will go on. Really cheesy, but you know, I was really passionate about all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from that experience, I got exposed to the veterinary world, genetics, and how that can interact with dog breeders. None of that research would have happened without the passion behind breeders. And so from there, I went to undergrad at Yale University and then went to veterinary school at the University of Pennsylvania. I worked with Paula Henthorn while I was there. I worked with soft-coated wheat interiors and helped identify the genetic marker for protein-losing nephropathy.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, I worked on protein-losing enteropathy as well. And then from there, I realized how important it is to really understand the disease. It's not just the genetics, it's the disease Because especially with complicated kidney disease, you can get infections and other things cause it, not just genetics. Mm -hmm. So I developed a passion for internal medicine. So I went to North Carolina State University for a combined internal medicine and PhD program where I focused on genetics and bladder cancer and prostate cancer. And so here I am now with the AKC DNA program. So I bring all that expertise of- I love that. Medicine, genetics, and again, the fact that I'm a breeder. I lived through it from the very beginning, and now I'm back here to help bring the DNA program into the future.
0: Okay, so you definitely are that unicorn. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here at Pure Dog Talk, we talk a lot about how important dogs are two kids growing up that don't necessarily turn into being professional handlers. Here's another example, right? I mean, I think that's awesome.
1: I did junior handling, but I always wanted to groom my dogs, to train them, performance. I mean, I think this is the case for a lot of people my age. They just want to have fun with their dogs. Mm -hmm. I don't show all that much. I do enjoy it, but like, I don't want to be on display. (laughs) I want to do behind the scenes, keep them healthy, play with them, work their minds. That's where I come from.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay. So here we have our unicorn, Claire, and she has taken over this organization's program, the DNA program for AKC. Talk to us about where you're taking it.
1: Yeah. So for the past 25 years, the AKC DNA program has really focused on protecting the registry. And they did that using unique identification, kind of like fingerprints, and also using those fingerprints to verify parentage. It had more of a regulatory role to it. But back, like a couple years ago, the AKC actually developed an ad hoc genetics committee. Like they listened to the breeders and how breeders were really interested in having more from the DNA program. And that's kind of why I got hired, because we've listened to the feedback and are trying to bring things into the future to really serve our most important constituents, the breeder. Uh, I'm telling you, know,
0: you, this is the hand pump right here, right? <laughs> like, like, listen, like we're a concert, like, We're lighting listen. a lighter. This is awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, because I know we try to focus on all dog owners, but it all starts with the breeders who are producing the healthy dogs for all dog owners. And so you know, the AKC hired me. We also hired my research and development program manager, Monica Henderson. She is a registered veterinary technician who worked with me at NC State in internal medicine. She has a huge passion about behavior, by the way. So she might be another
0: cool one to talk to. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we have both of us kind of coming together to help coordinate things in the way that breeders will really benefit from. And so we are actually expanding to include DNA health testing with traits As part of our AKC DNA program, we are also committed to taking proceeds from our health testing and putting it back into canine health research. And like we're putting our money where our mouth is. We already invested a million dollars in a project where we're doing whole genome sequencing on about 4,000 dogs, making sure we represent all the breeds. This is probably really important for the rare breeds. And we're using pedigrees to make sure we have the full genetic diversity of that breed represented. And so that's something, you know, there are all these projects going on with the 10K Genome Project, but nobody's actually going back to the pedigrees to make sure it's representative of what's out there. So that was something that AKC thought we could contribute to.
0: I want you to drill down on that a little bit because I think that is actually a really big piece, a really big hole that's kind of out there. So Mm -hmm. talk to people more about why that matters.
1: It's a huge problem. Even from the fundamental aspect of providing accurate health testing results, a lot of the health tests that have been developed for dogs are developed in the context of one breed. And maybe they studied a few hundred dogs within that breed and then went out and tested. So for example, when I did protein losing nephropathy, we tested over 600 dogs in other breeds, but that's only 600 dogs Mm -hmm. to see if we found the marker in those breeds. Then the companies take that Health marker and market it to everyone as if this is a health test for your breed. We're testing 200 markers. But the science behind those statements, when you're taking it out of context into a different breed, isn't very good. I mean, you know, there's limited funding available in dogs. I'm not trying to be critical. It's just a fact of the scientific world. And the same thing also happens with technology. As technology advances, more and more of the health testing calls that we're going to make depend upon a reference genome. Right now, a lot of those calls are made about 676 dogs. But again, it's not necessarily the rarer breed dogs. So do we know if those calls are accurate in like a Glen of a mall terrier or something like that? So it's really important as we move forward to make sure that everyone is represented. Even for, let's say, Labradors, maybe they just have a big population of show Labradors and not the field trial Labradors or something like that. So even in the bigger breeds, the only people who can kind of look at this are the people who have access to the pedigrees. So the AKC saw this as a problem in terms of at least the very fundamentals of offering reliable health testing results. And we're here to fill in the gaps. It also becomes a problem as we expedite canine research it gets harder and harder to find these rarer breeds, and it can take two, five, ten years for researchers to accumulate enough samples from dogs to get a reasonable research study going, and then they have to get funding to actually run the sequencing and everything like that. So if the AKC puts our power of coordination and finances behind this, we can then have the sequences available now. And when a researcher comes and identifies a problem, we can give them the data as like a data grant kind of perspective so that we can get to the answer faster with bioinformatics instead of starting with the
0: sampling. Wow. That's actually really amazing. And I think the idea of turning this kind of on its head, I assume working through Canine Health Foundation, working with that process, Yes. We
1: work very tightly with the Canine Health Foundation, but we kind of look at it as the Canine Health Foundation gives financial grants, Mm -hmm. and we would be giving data grants. We haven't completely worked out the details, but I mean, of course, like the Canine Health Foundation has so much infrastructure in place, and we talk regularly, so I'm sure that will be a big part of it, but kind of a similar idea, just data grants as opposed to financial.
0: Excellent. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons get direct access, rare opportunities, and tons of perks. And I tell you what, 23 is looking to be a busy year. We have three patrons retreats. Okay, so this is the direct access and tons of perks. Three patrons retreats planned throughout the year. These festive get-togethers combine learning... Good food, new friends, and a dog show, right? I'll be there, leading handling courses, breeding courses, and some thought-provoking conversations along the way. Join our patrons now so you can be part of the best community in dogs. Visit www.puredogtalk.com backslash patron for details. Okay. So Claire, tell us about the process now. So this is a new process, a new product, a new event. So give us this process.
1: So the fundamental process will essentially be the same where you use a cheek swab to collect DNA and you go online to activate it. When you first go in to buy the swabs, there will be two products. The original parentage product will be called the AKC original DNA profile And then the one that includes health tests and traits will be called the AKC Signature DNA Profile. So when you're actually on what we call our shop page where you're buying the swabs, you have an option of choosing either just the fundamental original profile, which is the $50 kit that provides parentage, or you can choose the option that still includes that $50 original profile, but also has health and traits available. We're thinking it's going to be about 100 to $120, but
0: we're still finalizing the price. So when I say breaking news, this is like breaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're still finalizing the list of tests we're including too. But that will include the $50 fee. So it's a one-stop shop for everything that you need. So then you also can get the AKC original DNA profile, the $50 kit, swab your dog, and upgrade to the health. So if you have kits in your presence right now, you can use them. And for a fee, you can upgrade to the health.
0: That's what I was hoping to know. Good.
1: Yes. So all of the kits out there that people have right now can still be used for health. So we're trying to make it as simple and easy for people as possible.
0: Perfect perfect.
1: And you send it to the lab and just like now you get the results back, hopefully a little bit faster. (laughs) We've been having some difficulties with our old technology. So hopefully two to three weeks. And then we're also upgrading Breeder Toolkit. So everything will be in one place and easy for you to have all your access to information.
0: And talk to us about Breeder Toolkit for people who don't know what that is.
1: So Breeder Toolkit is a really exciting interface we have with AKC registration, where it's a tool for breeders to go online and they can manage their litters all in one place, their dogs, and we're going to have DNA there as well. So it'll be nice and easy. Nice. We are also upgrading our DNA website in the future. So that will be more interactive for everybody and more beneficial. (laughs)
0: User-friendly.
1: User-friendly. We want to make everything as user-friendly as
0: possible. So I know you haven't nailed down exactly, and we'll be doing that in the coming weeks and months, but give us an idea of some of the diseases that will be available to test for, traits that will be available, et cetera. So we're really hoping to
1: launch this by like mid-2023, the latest, hopefully April. As I mentioned kind of earlier, you know, a lot of these companies say there are over 200 markers that they're testing for. But if you actually talk to breeders, they're probably focused on two, three, maybe zero for that specific breed. So we are taking the experts, you know, the breeders and having them tell us what we should be including as important markers for them. So as part of the AKC, the parent clubs have what we call parent club health statement letters where they actually say, this is what we are concerned about as a breed and as a group. And so we're using those letters to determine which testing is the most important for that breed. We're going to make it really, really clear and easy because some people are very experienced in this and understand and can tell you about genetics maybe even better than I can. Um, But other people are just like, I need to do what I need to do and I don't understand it. So we're going to make it very clear. These are the health tests that were recommended. These are the optional ones. It's still a multiplex test. So let's say you have a problem in your breed or your line that isn't in the parent club letter, but we can test for it. You'll still get the rest of the results, but we're still trying to report it as easily as possible, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it totally does make sense. So there's, say, eye diseases or heart diseases or, you know, the protein losing neuropathy. There's all those kinds of things. Talk to us about what you are looking at to be able to include in terms of traits.
1: So, sorry, for diseases, I think one of the most common ones we think about are PRAs, like the eye diseases, like you said, heart diseases, like things that are inherited. For traits, we tend to worry more about coat color. I know as a Portuguese water dog person, we'll have improper coat. A lot of people are worried about the dilute gene Mm -hmm. and then Merle is a big one too, because Mm -hmm. that can actually impact both health and color of dogs. Yes. So we have Merle available as well. And especially with like cryptic Merles that can be- Special
0: request for furnishings.
1: (laughs) Yes, we have furnishings. That's another thing that's really confusing, right? So Mm -hmm. as part of all this, we are rolling out a genetic counseling call center.
0: Yes. Talk about this.
1: Well- Just so you know, like furnishings is really confusing, right? Because Portuguese water dogs, legatos, we call it improper coat. We don't call it furnishings. So when you first look at a report and you're not used to these new terminology, you're like, what is going on? So we need to make sure we make it as breeder friendly as possible because some people call different colors, different things, silver, liver, things like that. Mm -hmm. The Genetic Counseling Call Center, we're basically going to have a line available during normal AKC business hours. We can always expand if we need to, where people can call and ask for recommendations about their health testing. Maybe they want to know what a health test means, how to interpret it. Or maybe they have two dogs that they want to breed and want to ask, hey, is this okay for me to breed? Will I develop health problems with this litter? It could even be something that we don't understand genetics about. Like I sometimes get questions from people saying, should I breed a dog with inflammatory bowel disease? And there's no genetic marker for it. Mm-hmm. As an internal medicine specialist, I can help ensure that people are getting accurate diagnoses so that we know that like for inflammatory bowel disease, for example, I wouldn't say don't breed a dog unless you have an accurate diagnosis of inflammatory bowel disease, which takes biopsies. Some people just change the diet and you're like, okay, is that actually a disease or did they have an illness or something like that? But most importantly, we are going to make sure we have non judgmental advice. We are going to have veterinary experts on the calls, whether it's veterinary technicians to handle the simpler, easier to handle questions, and veterinarians. And ultimately, if there's something that people can't answer in the call, it will go to Monica, my program manager, who's mm-hmm. a vet tech, or me. I'm a board-certified internal medicine specialist. Right. And if I don't know, I can reach out to whoever and help find the answer. And I just want to emphasize, we are focusing on giving information information accurate, non-biased information that the breeders can then use to make their decisions. We want to empower breeders to be informed. We don't want to tell them what to do. Breeders have been doing this for thousands of years, and genetic tests are tools. They are not the end-all be-all of whether you should breed a dog or not. And that's why I'm saying we want to make sure breeders are informed. Maybe there is some reason... I'm just saying theoretically, where somebody would want to breed a dog that is affected by some disease. I'm not here to say don't do that. I'm here to say these are the risks. These are the pros and cons. So you can make that decision, you know, because sometimes with some of these really rare breeds, you want to help maintain genetic diversity. You could breed a dog that's affected with a recessive condition and have all normal puppies. Mm -hmm. So we can help make those decisions basically.
0: One of the things that I have come to really, really appreciate about the ability to do this type of genetic DNA testing is that ability to not throw out the baby with the bathwater. The idea that there are genetics associated with this dog that I don't want to lose. I just don't want that piece of it, right?
1: Exactly. That's really fundamental and important messaging we need to get across. A lot of people get really focused on just having clear dogs. But again, all of these are tools. So you have a clear dog. What does that mean? Like you can be a carrier for a recessive disease and not have any problems like that disease doesn't manifest. So again, that's why we're trying to help make sure there's an accurate source for people to go to so they really understand these things. And if they understand everything and still want a clear dog, that's fine. If they understand it, you know, we're just here to provide information. Right. It can get really confusing and there are so many different sources that have different backgrounds and different influences or they're for-profit companies with fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. And like we are the AKC, but bottom line, the AKC is a club of clubs, but I report to breeders essentially, and I'm trying to make sure that I have the breeder's interest at heart.
0: Well, I think that that is absolutely imperative. And so the only other thing that I thought maybe we could touch on today in regards to this new service that's going to be available, the new product, will it have any information regarding a coefficient of inbreeding? Is there going to be a COI component to this or no?
1: We are still in development about that. We definitely hope to have one in the future. There's a lot of controversy about COI, so I'm really glad
0: you brought this up, Laura. Go, girl. That's why I (laughs) threw it right in your lap and I'm waiting for you to knock it out of the park. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, You know, there are some other for-profit companies that try to say that COI can be used to determine how healthy a dog is. And certainly that is a case to a degree. Like if you're extremely inbred, the breed starts to fall apart. But purebred dogs were basically created with the idea of being inbred. And that's what actually brings a lot of their beneficial qualities. And if you get too outbred, that's when you start to lose things like type or temperament or like the traits that make a breed a breed. A lot of the ideas behind COIs that people focus on are based on conservation genetics and preserving species. But those species weren't made to be as inbred as our dogs are. And so I just want to say, like, you always have to take your COI with a grain of salt. It's not everything. It's more important to look at the health markers that we know and see what actually is causing disease, as opposed to looking at how inbred a population. There are situations where it is useful. I know there are some breeds that are so inbred, they're trying to keep as much diversity as possible. The other thing about COI is you can get COIs from pedigrees, but like your COI is different depending on how many generations you go back. So the COIs we get from genetics tend to be more reliable for those types of situations. So right now, we're focusing on the fundamentals of what breeders really need to improve their dogs, and that's the health testing. But we do plan on expanding as time goes on.
0: Excellent. Very, very good. All right. Well, Claire, I am just so excited for this project, and I'm so excited for you to be in charge of it and actually really as focused as you are on breeders and on the health of purebred dogs. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. We're super excited about it, too. We think it's going to make a big difference.
0: hundred percent. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Claire. We will have more on this as it develops. Yes?
1: Definitely. I'd love to be back and talk more as we learn more.
0: As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk.